Basketball.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFD. This is the Super Flex Super Show, and here we go. Nine standard operating procedures. And Tommy, I got to be honest with you. Like, this is going to be very quarterback heavy. And uh, for a couple quarterback guys, I don't know if you agree, but uh, to me, it's not a good thing. Yeah, we've reached a point in the season where I feel like I'm scrambling on almost all my teams at the quarterback position because of injuries, because of underperforming assets. And so now is the time to really make those decisions that feel pivotal pivotal from a, a trade perspective, because while there's a ton of players on waivers and we need to get into them, I don't feel super confident in almost any of them. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, though. Like, you don't have to feel good about these quarterbacks. Just know that you're you're just kind of you're kind of adding some value to the roster here. We're not necessarily we're not we're not giving you league winning gems when it comes to these these all of these quarterbacks that we're going to list. Um, but you, you you still go after them, and this is why I don't like weeks like this. I don't like heavy quarterback waiver weeks. Because you have to spend a lot of fab on guys that you're not really planning on using, you know. And even if you do use them, it's going to be fairly short term. Hopefully, it's going to be low expectations. Like all of a sudden, you're going to be considering wide receivers instead of these quarterbacks at the super flex spot. It's just, it's it's hideous. But like you have to get involved in this. So. Let's get to it. Let's start off with some guys. Just make sure they're rostered. We've been talking about Kyler Murray since what July, June, <laughs> so, like yeah. preparing you for this one. We can't. We can't put him in as next week. This week, I don't even think we can put him as ads. Like if you haven't added Kyler Murray at this point, I, you're 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 too late. <laughs> in, in most cases, I think. So uh, he's on his way back. If it's not week nine, certainly by week 10, I would assume. So make sure that he's rostered. He probably is. Hopefully by you. Hopefully you already got him. Uh, Amari DiMarcado has just been the absolute workhorse for the Cardinals in the backfield the last two weeks. Um, Has yet another game where he just totally dominates the usage at this point, it's safe to say that Amari DiMarcado is the the lead back for the Cardinals, and it's an offense that's about to get an upgrade. Uh, Rashid Shahid at wide receiver, um, uh, like at this point, could you? I I don't even know how to make a case for a second wide receiver after Chris Olave other than Shahid. Like Michael Thomas, if I can get Rashid Shahid for Michael Thomas straight up. Like that's a smash except at this point. I don't know about you, Tommy, but like it, 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 he's just run away, like literally run away with that starting job, bringing some speed and bringing some energy to that offense. And right at the moment, man, like you could even make the case that he's kind of one B to Alave. So the fact that he's still available on waivers in some leagues is it's getting a little crazy. Uh, he he would easily be any one of these guys is is a top priority uh, if they are available on waivers, of course. 
Rashid Shahid is by far the best wide receiver you're going to get off of waivers probably all season. Uh, the remainder of the season, anyways. Trey McBride at tight end. The three Cardinals. We got three Cardinals. <laughs> like they just kind of, <laughs> they just kind of came back to life, and all of a sudden it's a fantasy gold mine. But Trey McBride taking over for Zach Ertz at tight end has been an absolute revelation. So, uh, and I, I mean, to me, he's like he's he's got to be a top five tight end right at the moment. So if he's still available on waivers, you're getting basically Sam Laporta for free where, you know, whatever it costs him fab, it's worth it. Yeah. And with Kyler Murray coming back, you know, he is the rising tide that's lifting all boats. Mm -hmm. He is an elite player and we're about to be reminded exactly what that means in this Arizona offense, because while we made fun of Gannon, the head coach, when he came in, because let's be honest, he, he seems a little bit like a bozo as a person, but as a head coach, he's done a magnificent job. I mean, he has really brought this team back from, you know, a punchline into a watchable team, a team that's been exciting every single Sunday. And I'm really intrigued to see what he can do with a Kyler Murray because Amari DiMarcato is as average as the day is long but he's doing everything uh, within his power to be a productive fantasy asset. And I've started him in, in weeks and Trey McBride just exploded. Um, so let's add Kyler Murray to the mix and see what happens. In, in the best part of it is you're not getting normal Kyler Murray. You're not getting run first Kyler Murray or, you know, highly mobile Kyler Murray. You're, you're likely not going to get a whole lot of his mobility. Uh, which, you know, that kind of sucks for fantasy purposes if if you've got Kyler Murray in your lineup. But for the rest of the Cardinals, that if you're telling me that all the running duty is going to go to DeMarcado, even with Kyler back there, and now he's a threat to pass, uh, you know, play action all of a sudden starts to open up. And now, you know, those plays where he typically would have took off and run, he's looking to dump it off to DeMarcado. He's looking to, you know, he's looking to the middle of the field with Trey McBride. He's looking into the flats for Michael Wilson and possibly even Rondale Moore. Like there's all of a sudden, you know, there's, we're getting a lot more out of this entire offense with Kyler Murray coming back at, you know, 80, 85% than we would if he was at the full hundred percent. Yeah, and we just saw a tweet on X that said Josh Dobbs isn't getting the start this week, and I don't really know what's happening. I don't know if anybody does, but it's going to be Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray. And me, I'm I'm personally really excited to have Murray come back. I hope that he's able to come back this week because if you look at the buys in week nine, we've got a lot of quarterbacks that have been started um, that aren't going to be available so the Broncos, Jaguars, 49ers, and Lions are all on by. The, the by reprieve is over, right? And we've had a ton of injuries. And so what I think we should do is just run down this really long list of potential ads at the quarterback position, sort of get your perspective, John, as the QB whisperer, and then we can uh, dig into the rest of the ads. Does that sound good to you? Love it. Let's do it. Cool. Uh, Taylor Heineke finally, finally got some playing time. With the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Will Levis showed out. He four I mean, touchdowns. Four touchdowns. He looked unbelievable. Um, another subject of mockery in the off season, and 
<laughs> by yours truly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And raised. I, I did that. But I, <laughs> what I will say, <laughs> I do have to take one last shot here. Did you see Ryan McDowell tre- tweeted out the list of guys who uh, threw four touchdown passes in the first start of their career? Yeah. And I, it was like, like the only one that I even vaguely remember is Todd Bauman. Oh, Jaguars legend Todd Bauman. <laughs> yep. For those of you who don't know, Todd Bauman literally got called while he was farming on his tractor a few days before a game, was signed <laughs> to the active roster, and won the game. Yep. Four <laughs> touchdown <Todd> passes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you're getting with Will Levis. I, I don't minus, know. Man. Minus the tractor. We got to talk about that. Uh, let's yeah. keep going, though. There's so many quarterbacks. Mitch Jeez. Trubisky um, with Pittsburgh, uh, Jaron Hall in Minnesota, Brett Ripien with the Rams, um, Tommy, don't call me Danny DeVito with the Giants, and of course, Clayton Toon with the Cardinals. So I'm going to press pause here and just listen to you, John, because I don't know how to take in all of this. This is a ton of quarterbacks. We're not sure all of them are even going to be playing, and if they are, how good they're going to perform. So just please educate me on what I need to do this week. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as Will Levis annoys me, I, there's absolutely no reason for them to even consider Malik Willis or even a, a healthy Ryan Tannehill at this point. You just, yeah. Yeah, you you just stick with Will Levis, right? Like, th- So he's the only guy on this list who we know for a fact starts in week nine and in fact beyond probably for the rest of the season. Like as long as he's healthy, Will Levis is a starter in Tennessee. So to me, that's just easily number one with a bullet unless, you know, Kyler Murray and possibly Trey McBride. (laughs) Those are the only guys that we've talked about that I would consider over Will Levis and spoiler alert, there's nobody else on this list of ads or next week this week that I think gives you uh, anything close to what Will Levis gives you. Beyond that, you know, I, I think Mitch Trubisky, if Kenny Pickett were to miss a game or two, I think Mitch Trubisky is is probably your top uh, option. I think, uh, you know, Taylor Hineke is okay for fantasy purposes i think we're way more excited about what he does for the rest of the offense than what he does for you in your super flex lineups man everybody else here it's going to be very short term if at all let me ask you this would you put in a max bid whatever fab you have remaining on will levis in a super flex redraft league yep i would i agree I think you have to, you have to push all your chips in because even though he's probably not going to be giving us four touchdowns a week, he looked stunningly good. I was surprised at the command he had of the offense at his ability to read the field um, and to make the right decisions consistently. He to me is uh, potentially a every week starter from here on out. And given how many players have been injured at the quarterback position this season, that is just a gift basket waiting for you to spend all your fab on. Um, But let's get to some of these other positions as well, because there are other players that we need to consider adding at the running back position. Leonard Fournette, uh, we talked about him last week as an add. 
um, really as a next week, this week type player. And it came true. The rumors that he was going to Buffalo came true. While he is only on the practice squad right now, that's really just a procedural thing. I have every anticipation that he's either going to be elevated this week or next week to the active roster. Um, Cam Akers in Minnesota, uh, Rico Dowdell in Dallas. And then at the wide receiver position, um, we've got some pretty good options, uh, starting with Romeo Dubs uh, in Green Bay. Um, he's been getting a lot of targets lately and has really shown out. I, I believe he's the target leader in Green Bay right now. Um, mm -hmm. Back to Arizona, Michael Wilson. Um, a lot of Michael Thomas comps there. And Khalil Shakir uh, with Buffalo. To wrap up the uh, final position at tight end, Donald Parham has been a surprise. Um, the tight end position as a whole has been a surprise. I think I saw in just a typical PPR league, there were over 12 tight ends um, with at least 10 points this week, which that very rarely happens at the tight end position. Um, but tell me, John, who are you excited about at these other positions in terms of ads? Love Cam Akers if you need running back help. He's been slowly taking over for Alexander Madison. Um, Madison ended up uh, with a little bit more of a workload kind of late in that game for some reason. But, I mean, you're also talking about an offense that all of a sudden loses its quarterback, your star wide receiver still on the shelf. You know, they're going to lean on the running game. And they've been trying to hand this over to Cam Akers for the last couple weeks. Um, so now you know, they're they're They could be handing him a much bigger workload than before. Uh, and then all three of these wide receivers, man, like it's very rare that I get excited about waiver wide receivers, but Romeo dubs uh, top six in touchdowns per receptions uh, or per routes run. Um, and the, the other five are big names. Like you're talking about like Tyree kill AJ Brown, uh, Mike Evans, you know, like these are the type of guys who are doing what Romeo Dubs is doing. Um, it, it just basically what you got last year from Christian Watson. This year you're getting it from Romeo Dubs, um, which with a much higher target share. So uh, super valuable stuff. But, you know, Michael Wilson, we talked about Arizona uh, getting that upgrade with Kyler Murray coming back. And then Khalil Shakir, I, I mean, that's... Uh, at this point, I think you called Dalton Kincaid option number two, but it's unsettled in the backfield. It's on like Gabe Davis is, has always been spotty as hell. Khalil Shakir looks like the guy who's going to be, you know, particularly coming out of the slot going to be a top option for Josh Allen. So like all three of these wide receivers, I think are, are fairly high priority. I'm, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, like 25% starting bids, uh, starting fab type bids for those guys. And I think Acres is probably a little less than that, but in that same ballpark. Especially because, I mean, we've got the Jaguars, the 49ers, and the Lions on by. Those are all pretty good passing offenses. And so I'm guessing the Super Friends are a little tight right now at wide receiver, especially if they're constructing their rosters like we are which is very top heavy and thin, right? And so these are not only really good spot starts, but it's something that maybe you can carry for a week or two if you if you want to add some startable options at the wide receiver position. Yeah, that's a really good point. And not only that, with all these quarterback injuries, you're really kind of losing some uh, some floor with even your healthy wide receivers right now. You totally. Know? Yeah, so... 
Yeah, it's kind of a good time to get in on some wide receivers, especially the ones who still have a, a healthy starting quarterback. <laughs> Next week, this week, we've got Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston. These are all kind of, it, 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 by the time you listen to this, there's a good chance that you know uh, what's going on with these guys. And they they become just waiver ads they're no longer next week this week if Jacoby Brissett were to get traded to Minnesota for instance actually it sounds like Jameis Winston might be the most likely to go to Minnesota but uh, one of these guys ends up in Minnesota then all of a sudden you're not sneaking them past anybody <laughs> they're gonna yeah. be they, they're gonna want the guy throwing to Jefferson Hawkinson and Addison so <laughs> Yeah, uh, whoever whoever it is, but th- right at the moment, we're just kind of speculating. These are guys who could absolutely be traded, um, slash signed as a free agent. Carson Wentz, and then Sam Darnold, who uh, so Brock Purdy seems to be struggling a little bit, dealing with injuries more than anything. I think that there's a little bit more going on with the concussion uh, than we thought. We saw him go down hard and and uh, snap his neck back, um, head bounced off the turf, and he immediately grabbed his head. And they didn't even check him out. So, <laughs> I, I you know I don't want to say that that uh, the clock struck midnight on Brock Purdy, um, but something's up, something's going on there. And they were very excited about Sam Darnold going into the season. So. If if Purdy were to miss some time, and even if not, you're on a three-game losing streak right now. They're going to be looking for a, potentially looking for a change. And then Nick Mullins, who right now I believe is still on IR. Yep. Uh, for the for Minnesota, but uh, so it would most likely be if they didn't make a trade. Yep. If they just go with they've with what they've got, it, you've got Jaron Hall for a week or two. And then Nick Mullins most likely takes takes that over unless Jaron Hall uh, looks particularly good. Uh, running backs, Keaton Mitchell. You talked about him last week too, and uh, the Gus Edwards just got such a massive workload here in Week Eight that Keaton Mitchell's still under the radar. But man, like the the difference in the energy, the the difference in the explosion to me is very notable um it noticeable they're gonna and at some point i think they're gonna switch over to kate uh keaton mitchell and then zach charbonnet who so kenneth walker dealing with injuries uh missed most of the week of practice um charbonnet got a real a very heavy workload like they split it pretty much down the middle um dj dallas just not even a factor it's just those two guys. So if one of those two is out, Walker or Charbonnet, the other one is getting the entire workload. So just get ready uh, for a Kenneth Walker, um, for a Kenneth Walker injury, or uh, just kind of getting worn down by the grind of the season. A wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo, Jalen Tolbert, Demario Douglas. So Mingo. Got the most stat- snaps for the Panthers, tied for the most routes, second most targets. I outperformed DJ Chark all the way all the way around. Um, seems like he's officially taking over the number two job with Adam Thielen, and he's always going to give you more upside, I believe. 
Jalen Tolbert um, seems like he's he he's about to catch Michael Gallup in the usage numbers, snaps, routes run, even targets. He's he's right there with uh, with Michael Gallup at this point, about to pass him to be the wide receiver three in that offense. And then Douglas with Kendrick Bourne going to IR, uh, 1.81 yards per route run, which is uh, that's a that's your contribution to this because I don't. I don't totally understand. I assume that that's good. Uh, but with Kendrick Bourne now, Demario Douglas was really already kind of taking over that number one wide receiver role. Um, this kind of uh, this kind of solidifies it at this yeah, point. Yeah, can I wax poetic a little bit about Demario Douglas? Because he's, Please quickly, do. he's becoming someone that I'm really excited about. Um, so he's tiny, first of all. He's like 5'8", 165. So a true everyman. Um, his nickname is Pop, which I think is awesome. Pop Douglas. Um, and this is, yeah, his stat over the last three weeks. He had a concussion um, and was getting eased into the offense really earlier in the season. But the last couple weeks, he has been in on all of the scripted plays, um, you know, the first 15 or so plays. And there have been intentional first read targets to Demario Douglas. And then later in the game, he was getting the ball again. And so what I'm seeing right now is an incoming breakout. I never make bets on sixth round wide receivers, especially ones that, um, you know, I've historically had a bias against smaller guys, but I'm trying to modernize like the NFL and just accept the fact that maybe there's a durability concern, but when these players are on the field, these smaller um, hyper athletic, hyper quick players, when they're available, I should not turn my nose up at them. Um, this is very much the money ball, Kevin Euclid situation where they just kind of look funny on the football field. Their, their <laughs> helmet is too big. And so they can't be good. It's like, no, they're, they're good players. Demario Douglas is a good football player and 1.81 yards per route run, especially with his route participation is somewhere in the DK Metcalf tier, um, entirely different players. You know, um, if DK Metcalf is himself, Demario Douglas is the meme of Rodrigo Blankenship next to him. Like he's a tiny guy, um, but they're producing about the same with the opportunities they're given. And he is almost entirely free. Um, I'm not guaranteeing a breakout, but the signal is there for me. And so I'm excited. I've got him in, I think, 14 leagues now. Um, I've been picking him up for cheap or free almost everywhere. Yeah, it seems like Devonta Smith has already busted through that glass ceiling for him. So it's a nice, easy ascent. Uh, kind of the only real issue is just that I, Mac Jones still sucks. He he's, does. He's, he's been better, but he's still he's awful. Yeah, uh, I've heard you, John, say that the quarterback doesn't necessarily dictate the wide receivers production or target share. Um, yep, yep. And so I'm just I, making the bet. I'm making the cheap bet. Yeah. And I stand by that. I mean, you know, if, if, if he only throws, if Mac Jones only throws for a hundred yards, but they all go to Demario Douglas, like that's still a nice fantasy game for Demario Douglas. So, yep. uh, especially if it's kind of shorter stuff and he gets to a hundred yards on, you know, the screen passes yeah. essentially like in PPR, that's a 20 point day. So, um, 
Yeah, let's get to the tight end. Stone Smart uh, was right behind Donald Parham in terms of usage. So as long as Gerald Everett is out, it seems like Donald Parham is going to be their top option for the moment. But man, they want to go to Stone Smart. You can just tell that uh, that Justin Herbert kind of prefers him. And then Daniel Bellinger, uh, freaking uh, Darren Waller hurt again. Um, I don't I like I don't necessarily blame him if you're going from Daniel Jones to Tarod Taylor to now to Tommy DeVito, whatever the hell that is. But, you know, I, like I, I wouldn't be super motivated to get out on the field either. But, you know, just the fact that we're going to be missing Waller, he's going to be in and out of the lineup. And every time he's out, Daniel Bellinger is going to be very startable for you, um, especially when they've got these these kind of backup type quarterbacks who are going to be looking for the safety of the uh, of the tight end position. And then, of course, cannot get through it next week, this week, without mentioning, mentioning Tegan Quintoriano. <laughs> no targets this week. Uh, <laughs> I think he had he ran like 20 routes, though. So awesome. he's in he's in excellent shape. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting <laughs> he's getting plenty of cardio. Uh <laughs> But, I mean, we just saw a monster game from Dalton Schultz. The only other tight end to register a snap was Tegan Quatoriano. And he 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 ran, uh, they ran from uh, from the two tight end set quite a bit, and he was in for that. They, uh, they let Dalton Schultz rest and let Tegan practice his route running. <laughs> and he's, he's getting plenty of that. It's, it's coming. Here's the good news about Tegan Catoriano is if you spend all of your fab on Will Levis, you can still pick up Tegan Catoriano for free. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And even better, you might have that option for several more weeks. (laughs) Super friends, super flex dude here to talk to you about Ticketmaster. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you a 360-degree preview of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to represent your team's colors find tickets today at ticketmaster.com slash nfl let's let's pick some players out that you can drop for tegan katoriano so that he can <laughs> sit on your bench um i picked a player that really represents a profile so we're back into managing our rosters during bye weeks right Mm-hmm. The Lions are on by right now. And a player that I have had and started successfully uh, for a number of weeks this season is Josh Reynolds. Wide receiver. He has really played pretty well. Um, he's the perfect wide receiver three slash flex for your lineup. That said, since he's on by, he's not on my rosters anymore. I've dropped him. You use him up while you while you need him. And then wide receivers in this tier, you just discard him. I may pick him up after the bye. 
Yeah, I I like that a lot. That makes a ton of sense. Um, it, I mean, just kind of our approach to wide receivers. There's just kind of they're they're just kind of clogging the roster. They could be taken up by a running back. Uh, one running back I would not <laughs> drop Josh Reynolds for is Miles Sanders. Um, I'm ready to drop Miles Sanders. Chuba Hubbard is officially taken over that backfield entirely. Yeah. Now I wouldn't blame you if you want to wait another week and see what it looks like when Miles Sanders gets a little bit more healthy, but I just feel like we have been told in no uncertain terms whose backfield this is. And Miles Sanders just does not factor. Juwan Jennings ran 50 out of 59 potential snaps. Uh, he ran 33 routes and he didn't get a single target. Like he's not getting anybody's attention in San Francisco. I absolutely hate it because he was one of my favorite deep sleepers going into the season, but he got the opportunity and they just don't even look at him. So yeah, yeah we're, we're, this is another example of a guy that we're not going to just hold on to and give up precious, precious roster space for. Uh, and then Malik Willis, I, I just, I was wrong about the Will Levis situation. To me, Malik Willis was the better quarterback uh, all through the preseason. We got a chance to see both of them on the field at the same time. Like they tried to platoon. Malik Willis looks com- looked completely incompetent. Will Levis threw four touchdowns. Like game over competition yeah. over yeah um, and now malik willis is just kind of a uh a, a not even just kind of a mid-level backup to will levis it's more important to recognize when you're wrong than to celebrate when you're right yeah. and this is a pretty clear example but it just speaks to the fact like if you think something that's fantastic you had a process behind it it didn't bear out that way and you just pivot and move on Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. And don't stick with it. Don't fall into take lock, you know, when, uh, uh, when the writing is on the wall, like yeah. it, this, this one was very, very obvious that Will Levis is going to be the better professional quarterback than Malik Willis. Yeah. And I've got take lock, um, on my fades, John, and I, I added these players to the fades list, not mm-hmm. because, um, I think they're not going to perform well, but, because they're so far outperforming my and the collective community's expectations that I just want to hear what you do when you draft a Tyreek Hill or AJ Brown. Good players who are overperforming by 27 and 39% over the expectation. So they've got amazing production and they're outproducing um, really where they should be. These are probably the best two wide receivers in football right now. If not, they're among the very elite handful. Um, What are you doing if you roster Tyreek Hill and or AJ Brown? Do you just count your money and and ride this out for the rest of the year? Or do you have any concerns that maybe they aren't going to either maintain a pace like this or uh, tougher times maybe ahead? I'm concerned. And maybe it's just my my nature of being kind of an anxious person, but I have a lot of AJ Brown specifically, and I don't know what to do with him. Do I trade him away? Do I expect this type of production? Do I expect less production than what I've seen so far this year? So 
just a little to foreshadow a little bit uh next year this year um i was going to talk a little bit about the infinity stones yeah every year i feel like we've got some guys and it's not just in one position it's it's usually a combination of different positions that it's really hard to get that perfect combination but if you get it nobody can stop you to me this year it's tyree kill and it's aj brown it starts there um, you know, probably Travis Kelsey. Uh, we might end up changing that maybe to Dalton Kincaid at some point. It kind of seems like uh, quarterback, I guess you would have to say Jalen Hurts at this point, I think. Um, and then, you know, the, the the running back is still the one that we haven't totally figured out. It looked like it was going to be Devin Achan. Um, and then the injury kind of slowed that train down. So. Um, but uh, I'm always looking for that combination. And when I get any of those infinity stones, I'm holding them for the entire season. And the beauty of it is, you know, you're going to be able to sell them in the off season, in a dynasty league, you're going to be able to sell them in an, in the off season after they win you a championship and you know that they're never going to do what they just did again you're going to be able to sell them as if they will do it every year for the rest of their career. <laughs> Inevitably, that's the way dynasty players approach this. They yeah. did it with Justin Jefferson. They did it with Cooper Cup. They did it with, you know, going all the way back to, you know, Todd Gurley. And it's just, it, you know, Devontae Adams at one point, like Michael Thomas for a season. Like the, this happens every single season. And so to me, you ride the wave, let them win you a championship, because even if there is some regression, it's like they have to regress a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to imagine them, either of them dropping off to that extent without some type of injury somewhere along the line. And we don't try and predict that. So uh, I'm, I'm good with him as a fade. I think he may, they both make a lot of sense as a fade, like, you're not necessarily going to go out and try and trade for those guys, but if you've already got them, man, like you've, you just, you've, you kind of have a winning lotto ticket, you know? Yeah, it's tough. I, I saw somebody post on Twitter that there's just no joy in fantasy football for some of us. When our players do well, we're worried they're going to get hurt or fall off. When our players perform poorly, we're just like, ah, oh, I'm terrible at this. I never get it right. This is one of those instances where, it's like, yeah, just just embrace the joy that is Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown right now because yep. they're doing unprecedented things. They're both on track to break the yardage record for a season. Yeah, that's exactly. And, and here's the other thing. So uh, going back to the offseason when I, you know, the non-point scoring season, going into the season, I was kind of talking about um, Justin Jefferson uh, not having this the the ceiling that people think he has yeah um you know and you know people valuing him as a wide receiver one overall even though the the odds just kind of tell you he won't be the wide receiver one overall for a second year in a row um and of course peter howard has to misconstrue that into i hate justin jefferson so <laughs> i like i just played into it yeah yeah the yeah. guy sucks like christian watson has more upside um <sighs> But like this, so this is kind of what I'm talking about, though. It's not that it was a bad thing to draft Justin Jefferson. If he hadn't gotten hurt, 
you would have been perfectly fine having Justin Jefferson as your wide receiver one all season. Uh, and when he comes back, I think you'll still be okay with him. But you missed out on the chance to draft Tyreek Hill and or A.J. Brown with that first pick that you used on Justin Jefferson. And you missed out on a ton of upside that Justin Jefferson just didn't have because he wasn't going to have the outlier season twice in a row. Somebody else was going to do it. Now, you had to get it right. You had to figure out who's it going to be. And ideally, you did it. You got it right twice. Because again, if you've got both of those guys, you're just murdering people right now. Yeah. Undefeated. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. But, you know, so you had to get it right, but it's worth it to take a shot and try and get it right. And I feel that way at every position. We're always trying to to find the infinity stones. Don't go after the infinity stones from last year because it's going to change. So just just kind of, you know, a little bit of strategy talk ahead of our strategy talk. (laughs) No, I love it. But who are you fading today, man? I am fading that Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins combo. This isn't me taking a shot at Will Levis. It's just you're not going to get four touchdowns from him every game, You're especially with three of them going to nuke. That's just not going to happen. But I think that right now you could probably sell him as if it's going to be a regular occurrence. Some players you can buy slash hold if you're contenders. Uh I, I didn't mention Tyree Kill and AJ Brown, but it <laughs> honestly it's a little tempting. I just but I do think you're right that the 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 price tag is a little too high. But yeah, I think that somebody who gives you very similar upside uh and just had a down game against what should have been a really bad pass defense coming out of a bye. So it's been two weeks now since we've seen anything from Nico Collins, I think you're going to get him pretty cheap and he's going to give you all the upside that you need to chase a championship. And then we mentioned Tyler, Taylor Hineke as a, uh, a potential waiver ad. The big thing that he does though, Kyle Pitts, Drake, London, Bijan Robinson, all unlocked, go buy all three of them. I like it, man. I really do, especially the Atlanta offense, because it feels inevitable, right? Not to Mm -hmm. stick on the Marvel theme too much, but like these skill players are inevitable. It's only a matter of time before they do the elite things that we know that they can do. Um, And it's not a bad time to buy in right now. But I've got a few guys, too, um, that I'm looking at buying this week with so many QB injuries and so many quarterbacks on by right now that we were starting. I just wanted to highlight two guys that the market hates that we don't necessarily love, but you can put them in your lineup today. You can put them in your lineup really for the rest of the season, barring injury. That's Russ and Baker. They're not worth a first. They're not worth anything near a first. Um, I think a contending second can probably get, either of these quarterbacks in a lot of leagues and you're getting 16 to 18 points per game. And that is perfectly fine given where we are in the season right now. If your opponents are struggling at quarterback, I would even consider making a proactive trade for these guys just to play keep away. Um, Because I don't think they're going to be worth any less three or four weeks from now, or, or if you have a trade deadline right at the deadline, because 
quarterbacks are scarce right now. Um, we're talking about Taylor Heineke. Um, I'll take Russ and Baker over a Heineke profile um, and, and just oh, put yeah. the 16, 18 points in my lineup. The other guy I want to talk about, I just can't get enough of, and I know you can't either, John, but I just, True. I have to keep talking about him because. Do it. Trade, Someone's got to, someone has to. Yeah. <laughs> trades are not happening like they're supposed to for Deontay Johnson. The guy, <laughs> he's running 94% of routes uh, since coming back, has 2.2 yards per route run, which is really good. And is the first read on every passing play over a third of the time. I don't give a shit if the quarterback is bad. I don't care if we're on to Mitch Trubisky. Deontay Johnson is always open and he is so overdue for some touchdowns. It's been something like a year and a half since he scored a touchdown. That's just, that's not a predictive thing. It is inevitable as well that Deontay Johnson explodes the rest of the way. And he right now is not even close to the tier of wide receivers that he's producing as. I, yeah, I like, yeah, you know how I feel about Deontay Johnson. Man, it feels like Russell Wilson is like very quietly just throwing three touchdowns a game. And people don't really notice because they're all going to different receivers. And, you know, they're like, that's all the, that they're scoring is just those three touchdowns. But it's like, that ends up being a pretty good fantasy day. Yeah. Especially over the last few weeks. They're so. both like mid to high end QB twos. And those are important pieces when you're building a contending roster. Yep. Love it. Uh, man, it, it, it was feeling a little bit like Tampa Bay might be, uh, might be ready to take a look at Kyle Trask mm-hmm. the other night, but it was a very good Buffalo defense. Um, Baker is going to perform quite a bit better, uh, in, you know, just generally speaking, uh, I mean, we'll see it's acquisition cost, right? These guys don't cost anything and, and you need starting quarterbacks. Um, but we've got some cells too. Um, I've got, I've got two. I know you've got two as well. I'm just going to run through mine really quickly because they feel pretty cut and dry. Uh, Sam Howell, if everyone else is suffering at quarterback and they need a short-term solution, please take my Sam Howell. Um, I don't care that he exploded this week. I still don't believe in him. I don't know what he would have to do for me to believe in him. Um, take 80% fewer sacks. That'd be a good start. Um, don't make so many risky throws. It, it works out in a given week, but over the course of a season, over the course of years, um, with a new owner, probably with a new head coach, I'm just, I'm not in on Sam Howell. This feels like a, an opportune time to sell. Same with Quentin Johnston. Um, it feels like sort of the velvet rope has been opened for a sell window. Every wide receiver of consequence, not named Keenan Allen, has been injured. Um, this is still a pretty decent offense. There's an elite quarterback at the helm. Quentin Johnston still can't get more than 10 points in a game in a PPR league. It's time to move on. If you can, um, with Josh Palmer getting injured, now's the time to sell for what you can get. Yeah. He, he just, he, he has no path at this point to getting involved in that offense. Um, I'm selling Justin Jefferson. Uh, this is, this is primarily a, a redraft thing. Um, I think you can, can, can consider it if you're a contender, uh, and 
just kind of rolling along with even with Jefferson on IR in those dynasty leagues, I think you can consider it, but this is way more about redraft to me just because uh, there's all of a sudden with Kirk cousins out for the season, there's not a whole lot of motivation to bring Justin Jefferson back early. Um, He's not going to want to come back early. He's got a contract situation coming up. He's not going to risk injury for Jaron Hall. Uh, there and and so I mean, you guys might be able to refute this by the time you actually hear this. Maybe the Minnesota Vikings have made a trade for a Jameis Winston, and all of a sudden we're we we've got visions in our minds of of uh, deep balls, YOLO balls to both <laughs> Jefferson and Addison for the rest of the season. But assuming that it's not Jameis Winston, I don't care who it is whether it's Hall, whether it's Nick Mullins, whether it's Carson Wentz, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't excite me for Justin Jefferson. Uh, so even when he does come back, I think that the ceiling just fell in, you know, significantly. And in Tank Dell, I'm also trading away. And that one's going to be a little bit more, that one's more dynasty, actually. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think in a redraft league, I think you're perfectly happy with Tank Dell, especially if you're contending. Um, but for in those dynasty leagues, I have a feeling, man, that there's a much bigger draft pick coming in very soon. I would love to see Marvin Harrison Jr. reunited with C.J. Stroud, but it's just a matter of time before they they go get that alpha wide receiver that they're currently missing. Nico Collins would be a great wide receiver too. Tank Dell, a nice slot receiver for them, but there's somebody coming who's going to command a massive share of that offense and not leave a whole lot on the bone for options three through whatever. Yeah. You mentioned the Cincinnati Bengals offense as a template. And I think that's exactly right. I think there's an alpha wide receiver on the way, uh, whether it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or not. And do you want Tyler Boyd on your team? I mean, maybe in like a start 13 or some super deep lineup league, um, maybe some best ball as well. Um, but right now, Tank Dell has some value. I've seen him going um, for some pretty good draft capital, and that wouldn't be a bad sell. Um, but I want to hear about your next year, this year, um, your rebuilding targets, John. Let's do it, because right after I said sell Justin Jefferson, <laughs> <laughs> In a dynasty league, I'm buying Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison Addison as well because so it's hard to say who the quarterback is going to be next year, but a big part of the analysis, again, was that for the rest of this season, it's far from ideal at quarterback for Justin Jefferson. Totally. Maybe they bring back Kirk Cousins as a, you know, maybe they uh, bring him back as a free agent. It's that's possible. Maybe they make a move to trade up. Maybe they go get a, I don't know, a Trey Lance, uh, Gardner Minshew, something like, like there are a lot of ways to go about this um, where you're supporting those fantasy wide receivers again. Um, and I think that that's coming. And then, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. So this was going to be my uh, my big Infinity Stone speech. So we can skip over that part. But ba- the, the bottom line being that regression that's going to hit for AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill starting next year, 
is just going to benefit those absolute superstars that they've got as a wide receiver twos on those respective offenses. I love both of those. Um, My next year, this year target is not a player, um, but it's a roster construction technique that I just wanted to bring up because this is the time of year where if you're in a dynasty league and you're pushing into a rebuild, you want to hide your points. You want to hide your value in places that are going to drive your draft pick, your rookie draft pick down, right? And so my next year, this year target is an asymmetrical roster construction. What does that mean? That means look at wherever you're strong. If you're really strong at quarterback, keep investing in quarterback. Sell your strong wide receivers for stud quarterbacks. If you're really good at tight end, if you've got Mark Andrews, backfill with a Sam Laporta or a Kyle Pitts. Um, Because if your rookie draft pick is based on potential points or based on win totals, you're sort of hiding those points at those respective positions. You're not balancing your roster. And so you're able to start some really terrible players at the other positions. Um, Just another move to where you can rebalance your roster once the offseason hits and people um, take stock of where they're at, you know, your league mates and they see, oh, shoot, I've got a hole at tight end. And look who has three elite tight ends, you know, Tommy B. It's time to get trading. Yep. Love it. Love it. Uh, let me run down some lineup hacks for you real quick so we can talk a little bit more strategy. I know we've already gotten to some uh, today, but we've got a little bit more we wanted to get to. So just real quick, some players and defenses to make sure and target. So uh, the Carolina Panthers defense, they – had a nice day against CJ Stroud kind of inexplicably, but um, still no pass rush, very little in the secondary. It's just a bad overall defense. And they've got Gardner Minshew coming in. And then the following week, they've got either Justin Fields or we're still on Tyson Badgett by then. Uh, Badgett may actually be startable against that Carolina Panthers defense. Um, and I think you're you're definitely considering Gardner Minshew this coming week uh, against Carolina. At running back, Arizona uh, has been absolutely horrible. And now uh, they might actually be able to um, alter the game script a little bit with Kyler Murray coming back. But until then, Cleveland comes in, uh, Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong, all of those players or whoever's healthy uh, is going to have plenty of running lanes against Arizona. And then the following week, Bijan Robinson, hopefully by then Taylor Hineke is officially and completely taken over at quarterback um, because Bijan Robinson could have a field day against Arizona. A wide receiver, just target perimeter wide receivers against Carolina. Again, had a, they, they managed to shut down Nico Collins uh, they shut down C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins by extension, but generally speaking, Carolina is by far the worst defense in the league at stopping perimeter receivers. Michael Pittman comes in, followed by D.J. Moore. At tight end, New England, New England is uh, oh, that's a that's a that's an offense to target here. Whether it's Jasicki or Hunter Henry, they're both going to be startable against the uh, third and fourth worst defenses at stopping tight ends, respectively, uh, Washington and Indianapolis. 
players and defenses to avoid though Baltimore. Uh, they've they get Seattle and then Cleveland. So Geno Smith and uh, maybe PJ Walker still, maybe Deshaun Watson by then. Either way, it's a horrible matchup. Worst, uh, third worst matchup for quarterbacks against Baltimore. Running backs, Cleveland is the best defense of stopping running backs. They get Arizona and Baltimore. So as much as we love Amari DiMarcato, he's in for a rough week here in week nine. Consider getting him on the bench. And then Gus Edwards the following week. Uh, wide receivers, any slot receiver against the New York Jets. They're particularly good. I mean, it, we know the Sauce Gardner, um, whatever side – uh, whatever side he's on and whatever wide receiver is on his side of the field is going to have a tough go, but every slot receiver, you can scheme away from sauce Gardner. You can't get away. And I can't even remember the name now of the, of the slot corner, but he's shutting everybody down. Keenan Allen uh, this week, followed by Jacoby Myers in for, uh, in for some tough sledding and then a tight end Dallas Goddard, uh, he gets uh, uh, he gets Dallas, um, who is tied for first at stopping tight ends, then a bye, then Kansas City, who's 10th at stopping tight ends. So three-week stretch that's going to be really rough for Dallas Goddard. Yeah, it looks like um, Michael Carter the second is the slot there, corner. There yeah. you go. Yeah, not the running back, the corner. <laughs> yeah they have the jets are so weird they have like four different players with essentially the same name um that's just one of them so um yeah love the matchups that's always super helpful for me personally um i don't know if you know this john but i use it i i love um getting those lineup hacks um for me nice. because i don't pay enough attention to it and i'm sure the super friends just don't have the time they they want to know just as much as i do who to avoid and who to target um, yeah. but I want to talk about some strategic thinking. I was working through a project the other day at work. And so I do energy management. I look at buildings and how they operate. And we have a term that's super overused where every building is a system. You change one thing and there are consequences down the line for three or four different components. And when things go really poorly in energy management, when you design a building really poorly, and then you operate it, um, you know, really inefficiently and you occupy it as it's not intended, it becomes truly sick. Um, there's a sick building syndrome that occurs to where the occupants, they have respiratory issues, to where the space isn't comfortable, um, to where mechanical systems, they just don't work quite right anymore. And so maintenance is really high and energy use is really high. And I couldn't help but think as I was working through a consulting job with one of these sick buildings, that exactly relates to my experience when I was starting to play Dynasty, right? So when I did my rookie, excuse me, when I did my startup draft, I didn't really have a process, right? I didn't, I just didn't want to make a mistake. Um, and so I didn't have a plan of attack. When I entered the season, I didn't know how to manage my roster. I didn't know what optimal roster construction was or what waiver moves to make. I hadn't found the Superflex Super Show yet or all sorts of other really great resources. And so my building, my roster, my team um, became sick. It was fundamentally flawed. Um, I didn't 
draft right. I didn't manage right. I wasn't offering the correct trades to pull me out of this. And so I needed to have essentially a tear down to the, uh, the studs, so to speak. I needed to take stock of where I was mid-season and really assess where I wanted to go with this team. What direction did I want to take? Did I understand really what a direction looked like? Um, and so I know we've got some newer super friends, maybe who have dipped their toes in Dynasty for the first time this year. And I wanted to get your perspective, John, on what you do beyond the you should you know, trade all your players away for picks and rebuild. <laughs> what do you do when you have a sick roster? I, so, man, I love this because, like you said, I think that we've all been there at some point. I've I've certainly been there, and I've been there recently. It's not the, it's not just a you know when I, when you first start Dynasty, it's it's not like rookie mistakes. We yeah. all end up there at some point, you know. And, and the thing is, like, even with the super flex flywheel, you can end up in that situation eventually because, you know, kind of the beauty of QBX is you get the quarterbacks you need right up front and then you should be set for X number of years. Well, when you get to the end of that runway, then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're in pretty bad shape. All your quarterbacks are, are old and retiring and, uh, and all of a sudden you've got this very incongruent roster, right? So, so it, it, it happens all the time. Um, and it can happen when you just don't even expect it. Mm-hmm. That's, I, that's happened to me recently. Like I had a, I have a league that's, we did the startup two years ago. I went quarterback extreme and it's already, it, it's exactly what you're talking about. It's just kind of none of it makes sense anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like light on quarterbacks, uh, heavy on running backs. Uh, all of a sudden I just lost Kirk cousins. It's like, this is just, this looks like a horribly constructed roster. And the reality is it just, it's, it's not that it was horrible. It's just kind of like you said, like the, the, the chain of events that got us to this point has been just kind of, mostly negative. And I think that, you know, a a big thing for me is to just kind of start just, you know, I think that we've talked about this part, trading away running backs, um, you know, especially if you've got some guys who have pretty significant value right now generally you can assume that they're not going to have nearly that much value by this time next year. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a good time to move on from them. Um, you just kind of strip down the flywheel basically. Uh, and you, you know, get heavy at, at quarterback, um, even take some shots with some backups last year, you know, Brock Purdy was a guy who, a lot of those sick rosters I was picking up just because it was like, you know, this, like, this is the path forward here is to get some quarterbacks and hope they hit. And with Brock Purdy, it it seems like that actually worked, you know, Um, there are other examples of guys who, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, another one just completely left for dead. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, if you had just kind of loaded up on him last year, you're kind of fighting off the symptoms this year because of 
some decent quarterback play between Purdy and and Mayfield. Uh, it it it's but it's really just kind of stripping down the uh, the entire roster, especially older players. Um, getting away from running backs, getting pretty lean at running back, uh, taking some shots at quarterback, and to a much lesser extent, but kind of same basic protocol. It's it's uh, kind of taking a lot of shots at wide receiver as well. So Nico Collins was a was a guy who I had on a lot of those types of rosters last year, and you know just a little bit of a dart throw. Um, not a whole lot of trade value at the time. So it's like, all right, let's just see what we have here. And now all of a sudden, I mean, kind of borderline wide receiver one for my rosters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I take a slightly different tact. I'll look at what my league mates are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, let's take running back out and, and put it to the side just for a moment. Let's focus on quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end. Um, I try to find the most devalued position when I realize I've got a sick roster and I will invest as heavily as possible, uh, given the circumstances in that position Hmm. because it's devalued because, you know, this is a cyclical endeavor. Eventually league mates will understand the value of really all of the positions. And if one of them is currently worth less than the others, I want to dig into that because I know that, if my roster is sick, I'm not going to pull out of this tailspin right away, right? I've got to make some fundamental changes. And to do that, I have to find edges. The other thing I, I would do is I would look at trades, trades that have been done in the last 12 months and find out the position that is the most valued. And I would spend my rookie picks, regardless of need, um, even if it's running back on those positions, the most traded positions, because I need to beat my league mates at their own game when it comes down to it. When I've got a sick roster, I need to find ways to be different, but also to lean into their sameness. And if trades are happening at one position more than the others, I need to find access to that with young, strong potential players. And that only happens really at this point where your roster is kind of a mess in the rookie draft. And so I'm spending second round picks um, on those types of players and profiles, hoping that I get a few that hit, hoping that I can sell a few others in ways that maybe don't align with their production, but more so with their promise. Um, I am going to pick a direction um, next off season, this upcoming off season in 2024. And I'm going to commit more fully than anybody else in my league to that strategy. It's better to not do a strategy that more than three of your league mates are doing. Um, You want to find hopefully a minority strategy. And then I'm going to construct my roster so absurdly lean at the positions that I determine not to matter um, in that strategy that I'm going to be fragile. Because again, I don't have great assets. I have assets that have really just fallen on their face for all sorts of different reasons. But to rehab my team, you have to tear it down. You have to find ways to be different. You also have to take advantage of the sameness of your league mates. And you have to get a little bit lucky, right? If I've got a roster that's truly um, garbage and needs a, a full overhaul, I would like to be a middle tier team by 
the end of the next season, by the end of the 2024 season. And I'll just build my team in a way that isn't um, necessarily heavy on on low odds bets uh, in the traditional sense, doing a productive struggle. Um, but I will know that my first meaningful game is not going to be week one of 2024. Um, I am willing to suffer a little bit with a weird roster construction with players that maybe are helping, um, but not helping toward the win column. Um, they're helping from a point scoring perspective, knowing that really 2025 is when I intend on not only being a playoff contender, but being a dominant team. And I'm going to do everything I can to use that as my, um, my focus, keeping focus on the most important thing, which is when I intend on winning. I have so many freaking thoughts here. It, we're we're going to go long. That's okay. just kind of, <laughs> that's what has to happen uh, because you hit on some really important stuff. So uh, the first thing that kind of struck me is um, it sounds like we're, we're just kind of, we're both doing half of a SWOT analysis. Like I'm doing yeah. the the internal side of it, the strengths and weaknesses, you're kind of doing the opportunities and threats um, externally. And, uh, you know, what, what we're really kind of hoping for is both. I think the problem is, uh, I, as a, you know, if I was a listener right now, I might, I might even, I, the, the takeaway might be that, uh, the, the internal and the external are kind of contradictory here Mm. because, you know, because internally I'm saying, um, you know, strip down the running backs because that's going to be, that's the hardest position to build off of because they have the shortest career expectancy. Um, you know, it's, it's harder to find kind of long-term foundational players at that position. Um, externally though, I mean, chances are the most devalued position in your league is going to be running back. Yep. Right. Like almost always. Right. Like, um, possibly tight end but that one that's the freaking hard uh, a hard road to to walk <laughs> anyways so uh so it, like we're we're almost kind of saying different things as far as that goes but uh but we're also saying like these two things kind of need to work together somehow they do yeah and I, I, you know, I kind of think that maybe the, uh, the, the resolution to this, maybe the, the answer to that part of it is I'm talking about trading away Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, you know, even, uh, you know, not quite as old guys, um, but still the, you know, slightly older guy, like Jonathan Taylor, I'm considering moving off of Jonathan Taylor if I'm in that position. But I am also going to look for guys like Tajay Spears. I'm going to look for, you know, I, I think you could get a Henry Miller very cheap. Um, you know, guys like that. I, there's no way in hell I'm trading Devin A. Chain right now. There's no way I'm trading B. John Robinson. Yeah. Um, even though I know that I could mostly fix my roster making that move. Yeah, it's to me, I am leaning into acceptance. I am understanding that this year, 2023, if I find myself in a tough spot, I don't care what points I score this year. I, mm -hmm. I don't care. It's not that I'm trying to drive my team to the bottom necessarily um, by gutting my roster. 
I'm trying to position myself so that I am going into the off season, a desirable trade candidate with my other managers. Right. And so that's why I am leaning away from what they're doing currently, because when we get to the off season, our perspective shifts dramatically. Um, we, we no longer have this week by week mentality. We have a more long-term mentality, a more roster balanced mentality. And then in the rookie draft, um, what I'm proposing is feeding into the upcoming season's redraft appetite and knowing that when my league mates get into week eight and nine, they're going to be desperate for backup quarterbacks. They're going to be desperate for running backs. Hopefully I've drafted a Sam Laporta or a Dalton Kincaid or, you know, any of these other players that have hit, I'm opening myself up to the possibility that I am going to be uh, right. And that I am going to be leaning into the positions that are valuable to my league mates, because if I truly have a sick roster, it's going to take a year and a half for me to pull out of this tailspin. And I just need to be cognizant of that. If I have a Tajay Spears, he fixes nothing for me because 2025 week one is my first meaningful game. And so Tajay Spears could be VRB one. He's not going to matter from a point scoring perspective. It's really just a different lens over um, the the magnifying glass um, to have a, a different perspective on how you're managing your team. Yeah. So there was another thing that you said earlier that I think is uh, is critically important um, that I want to echo because it might be the first time that anyone has ever said it on a fantasy football podcast, on a dynasty focused mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, when you were talking about the goal is to get to the middle tier, yeah, right by next year, and that, that's something that like we hear constantly in dynasty analysis is that you don't want to be there. Yeah. You you want to be you want to be the best or you want to be the worst. You don't want to be in between. You don't want to be stuck in that gray area where you're just barely missing the playoffs, but you're getting a you know, a, a later draft pick, you're not getting 101. Um, as if, as if, you know, 105 is particularly is just like not even worth making the pick or something. Who wants CJ Stroud, right? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Screw that. <laughs> Will, Will Levis. <laughs> like, yeah, gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, man, this class was ended up being pretty, pretty stout at every position to where, you know, it 105, 106 being the last team to miss the playoffs, uh, the last, you know, the last team in the lottery essentially is st you, you still got a long term starter at whatever position you needed, essentially. Yeah. Yep. So that's there. I think that people go a little bit too far with that. Like, that's it's one of many, many tropes in the fantasy analysis industry that I think, you know, somewhere along the line, somebody said it and they just kind of, and then the rest of the industry just let this thing just kind of take off and just create a life of, take on a life of its own. Yeah. And kind of get to a point where it's just this undeniable truth that you don't want to be, you know, the seventh team in a league that where six teams make the playoffs. Can you I make a metaphor for you, John? Yeah. This, this struck this struck a chord with me. It's like you're going down a three-lane highway, right? The fast lane 
is is deemed the fast lane. You should go as fast as you possibly can. And then the slow lane is the slow lane. So you should go as slow as you possibly can. So if you're a contender, you should burn up your assets and get that championship. If you're in the slow lane, you're rebuilding, you should score zero points until you're magically in the fast lane. There's something in between. There's something more sustainable. There's something that makes more sense for traffic flow. And that's the middle lane, right? right. You, you don't get from the slow lane to the fast lane, given those extremes, understanding that that's not how traffic was intended to flow. And so if you're rebuilding, that doesn't mean you should have zero startable players on your roster. If you're contending, that doesn't mean you should only have Derrick Henry's on your roster. Like there is a nuanced ground somewhere in the middle. And I think I, I, to, I totally agree. We've taken it a little too far, especially on the rebuilding side. Way too far, way too far. Yeah. And not only that, but somebody has to be in the middle lane. Yeah. Somebody is going to be in the middle lane. And, you know, so if you're if you're just like slamming on the brakes, trying to slow down enough to get into the slow lane, you know, you're you're not going anywhere anymore. <laughs> just trying yeah. to out out slow everybody else. <laughs> yeah. What a shit show on the highway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's I and I think that we see a lot of people end up kind of like I, I, I get that if you're stuck in that middle lane for, you know, for an extended period of time that's kind of a purgatory you don't want to be in. I agree with that. Like at that point, then it's like, all right, we need to either speed up or slow down somehow. We can't yeah. just stay here in the middle lane forever. But there's nothing wrong with being there for for now because what we see is people who, you know, have been in the slow lane for a year, maybe even two years, and then they get to the season and they're like, I'm still not good enough to compete. Like I've been doing everything right to rebuild this thing. And, you know, maybe I drafted Bryce Young instead of CJ Stroud. You know, maybe I took Jameer Gibbs. Like I moved back from 101. I gave up Bijan Robinson to get Jameer Gibbs instead. You know, things like that. And they still kind of leave you in a position where you're like, well, I'm not ready to contend. I'm kind of headed just for the middle again here. Yep. And so you sell all of that stuff, all of that work that you did, all that progress that you made in your rebuild, you give all that up, strip it down again so that you can get back to the very bottom because the industry keeps telling you the one thing that you don't want to be is in the middle. And then not only, but then you, once you do that, you strip it all the way down to try and get to the bottom. And then there's somebody who's, been doing they've been in the right lane longer than you have they've already yeah. set the pace at basically cruising speed there's no there's no way for you to get it to get behind them anymore yeah there's always a volkswagen Scirocco in your league you know <laughs> this is just like get out of the way like <laughs> <laughs> yeah and not only that i mean if somebody wants to commit to being that every single year yeah. Like I'd really like to just get out of the way and let them. Yeah, that means I'm Ryan. never going to have a better draft pick than they do, but I'm they're also never going to you know be competitive within the league. Yeah. Yeah. 
And Justin Herbert was not the one I won. Like there are so many opportunities for us to screw this up. We just have so much confidence that if we're terrible, we're going to be great eventually. And that's just not how it works. I mean, my Jaguars were terrible for like 30 years and we just got lucky finally. Like don't rely on luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. So I just, I, I just think that that's a super important point and something that people really need to hear. It, it, you almost need permission to yeah. be mediocre, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like Not forever. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it shouldn't be if it, if it becomes long-term again, like that's where you, you fit. All right. So what do I need to do here? Do I just strip this thing all the way down? If that's what it takes, you know, go for it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with stopping in the middle lane on your way to the fast lane, you know, uh, it, there's, and, and again, somebody's going to be there either way. Yep. So, you know, going out of your way to avoid it is detrimental to your team, or it certainly can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's ways to navigate all this. It's just, Understand that, like, if you have one of these truly sick rosters, you're going to have to move a little differently in traffic. And this is one way to do it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, there's there's permission to finish seventh uh, on your way to the uh, the fast lane and in the strong contendership. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being there at some point, uh, just as long as we're making it a fairly brief stop. Yeah, man, so, that was a great conversation. I appreciate you yeah. indulging me on that one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> as if, it's it's like we're uh, we're nine weeks in at this point. <laughs> We've made this kind of a staple, and I think for both of us, it's probably our favorite our favorite segment. So, yeah, yeah. it's not really me indulging anymore. This is it's just me saying, all right, this is this is dessert for me too. So. <laughs> And I kind of think the super friends will say the exact same thing. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for 15 extra minutes of your time, super friends. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of good strategy talk tonight uh, for this episode um, to go along with those standard operating procedures. But now that you got those SOPs, all that's left is for you to go execute. So let's wrap it up for the week. And as we do that, ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to podcasts, from there, you can also subscribe to the DynastyLeagueFootball.com's uh, family of podcasts mega feed. Get access to all the great podcasts from DLF. And then if you would rate and review the Super Show, it really helps us to uh, get out to more people, involve more people in this ongoing conversation on Superflex, and really uh, drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, our super friends. You can get at us on X formerly known as twitter uh, i'm at superflex dude he's at ff tommy b this episode was dedicated in loving memory to james the brain Catullus. thank you to dlf for the platform thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and above all else thank you for listening and until next week stay sexy and super flexy <laughs>